The old Ford isn't the new Ford. Hear about what major changes the company is making to remain competitive. And as gas goes to $5 a gallon and beyond, what does that mean for EVs? I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we bring you eco-innovations that are changing your world. Today, we're joined by Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive and the host of the Car Stuff podcast. Tom, welcome back to Green Sense. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I can't believe how this weather uh, changes so much, but uh, now it seems like we're in spring. <laughs> but that could change rapidly. <laughs> I think it is supposed to change, unfortunately. Well, let's dive right into it. Uh, Ford's making some major changes to remain competitive. Uh, they're splitting uh, into Ford Blue, Ford Red. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind, does this have political undertones? <laughs> and why did they do it? <laughs> I had not considered political undertones. However, that wouldn't really work probably because Ford Blue is the old internal combustion side of what they're intending to do. And you would think that might be the red side. Yeah, so, uh, but I thought it was funny that they use these divisions. So you mentioned the blue, talk a little bit about the red. Yeah, Ford is doing some really interesting things uh, recently. And one of them is this reorganization where they're going to split the company ostensibly in two, though there are other divisions that will go either way. Um, but Ford Blue will be the old company, the company that builds internal combustion engines. And then Ford um, E, Ford Model E is there, is going to be focusing on uh, electric vehicles, software, connected services, and autonomous vehicles. So basically, everything kind of new tech or new wave is going to be going with this new division. And the big news is that they intend to report financial results independently for both sides of the company. Is there a split coming down with different stock prices? I think there is. Everyone's telling me no. And if you talk to Ford, they're like, of course not. We haven't even considered it. But they're using that phrase, share, unlocking shareholder value, which seems to always precede an IPO. Well, and when you think about the crazy valuations EV companies are getting, it makes all the sense in the world to split it into two. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Are there other things Ford's doing to remain competitive? Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of what's going on here maybe window dressing, but underneath the surface, Ford is very ready to go EV. Um, and the exciting stuff is that the Ford um, F-150 Lightning uh, is, is on track and they seem to be ready to double production for that if demand warrants and demand seems to warrant. And the, uh, what about the Mach-E Mustang? Supplies of that have been surprisingly short. And I think that Ford is focusing a lot of its efforts on the F-150 where there is probably more money to be had in the short term. And the big issue is charging stations. What are they doing in that area? Ford is putting together a, a network, and it's, it's largely a, an ad hoc network of different suppliers of EV charging, but they claim to have 16,000 different locations in its network. In a perfect world, when it works perfectly, you can go to any of these and not have to do anything different. As it, it's as if it was just one single network. Reports early on are that it's not working as smoothly as it should. Hopefully, we'll get past that pretty quickly. Well, we will keep an eye on this. And as our guru gears, you will monitor this and uh, get back to us as changes happen at Ford. So let's move on to our next story. Uh, remember Toy Story? To infinity and beyond. <laughs> well, that's what I feel like gas is doing. And uh, I think the gas is on everybody's mind. Uh, gas prices are near $5 a gallon and predicted to go beyond. How is that going to impact uh, car sales, both 
combustion engines and EV? That's a good question because everything right now is, is confused additionally by the supply chain issues, by the chip shortages. So right now there is a shortage of vehicles anyway. And I'm not sure that the most efficient vehicles are the ones that manufacturers are focusing on right now. What's going to happen ultimately, and maybe this is a very, very good thing, is more people will consider an EV now. They may not buy one, but at least they'll do the research and look into the possibility. Excuse me, the possibility. Um, we'll have to see how that goes. Not that many EVs available right now, but there are gonna be a lot more in just a couple of months. So we talked last time on how that there's over a hundred chips used in a car and EVs use even more chips. Where are we at with the chip shortage? Seemingly nowhere. Um, <laughs> it, every time you read something about this, you hear that it's easing, but then you read another story that it's not easy. And the supply of vehicles has not improved this year. Wow. So that's going to be uh, quite interesting. Well, Tom, I read a book. It was about 10 years ago. It was called $20 per gallon, how the inevitable rise in the price of gasoline will change our lives for the better. And it was written by Christopher Steiner. And he talks about the societal changes that take place as gas prices rise. And he talks about housing, telecommuting, how people use more trains, how people migrate to warmer climate because they don't want to use as much heat and how cheap everyday items uh, that are comprised of plastic will go away because of the rising price to produce them because plastics derive from oil. And that's just the beginning of a huge and overwhelming domino effect that our way of life will undergo in the years to come. So that was written 10 years ago. I'm not sure a lot of these came true, but now with the war in Russia, a big oil producer, uh, and the changes that are taking place, do you see some of these changes uh, uh, maybe now uh, coming into play as gas prices rise? I do. And, and to some extent, COVID accelerated a lot of these things because I work at a relatively conservative company where, where commuting, telecommuting was never really something we were going to do. Now we do it two days a week. And I know a lot of people who are doing that as well. It would seem like demand for gas should be softer than it is right now. But I think a lot of people are feeling their oats and feel free again. So they're hitting the road. And we're getting into warm weather, unfortunately, which will compound the issue. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with plastics, because there is a big plastic waste problem. A lot of uh, plastic is made from petroleum. And, uh, you know, will that be used for other things? So we'll keep an eye on that. I know societal changes based on petroleum is not your uh, uh, gig, but uh, you know everything that it comes to cars, so I thought I'd throw it your way. Any, any further thoughts on that? Uh, I don't think so. I, the, the petroleum side, the non-automotive petroleum side is interesting because that seems less, less elastic. We know that demand for gasoline is going to go down in the next 20 years. That's almost a certain thing. But demand for plastic goods, maybe not. Well, uh, here's our next story. And boy, I, I got to tell you, this hurts my heart. I really wanted Rivian to succeed out there. Um, but what they're finding is the reality of max production is Rivian's kryptonite. RJ Scringe, uh is said to resemble Clark Kent. That's the CEO of Rivian. And he was the darling of Wall Street. Uh, he led the startup to beat Tesla and getting the first EV pickup commercially produced. But he's made some critical errors lately. Tell us about them. 
One of the things, it may not be a personal error on his part, but it was certainly a failing of the company and that they've gone asset light to some degree and that there's like Tesla, they're delivering vehicles without having very, very many locations out in the field. Well, the big thing that caught my attention was that their uh, production costs are rising and they have people who put money down and have been waiting for a Rivian for a long time and there's delays in production. So they're not getting them, but yet they rose the price of the vehicle that people put a down payment on the on. waiting list. Yeah. Tell me about that. That, that soured a lot of people. <laughs> it did. And, and it's funny because the comparison to Tesla is so clear. Tesla changes prices almost without notice. You can literally price a vehicle Monday and go back Tuesday and you can't build the same vehicle. Anyway, what, what, what Rivian ended up doing was simply raising prices because they said their prices had gone up, but they raised prices profoundly like 10, 15% which is a huge increase. And it seems like the sort of thing a company would see coming. You know, like you shouldn't be surprised yes. by wholesale costs going up by that amount. But they infuriated people and really hurt their name. They, they had such a good reputation and there was so much positive aura surrounding this company. And then they went and hit everyone on the waiting list with this huge price increase. Now they did rescind it after the fact, but by that point, everyone was-, was the Yeah, bad. the damage had been done. Yeah, it was a PR disaster. And I think to add insult to injury, didn't Amazon have a large order in and their uh, order did not get a price increase? <laughs> I wasn't aware of that, but that... I read something about that. I wanted to check with you. So uh, I did not fact check it, but I thought that that also enraged customers is that here they are waiting and here is a uh, you know large multi-billion trillion dollar company that didn't have to have any price increase. So Again, you know, these are the uh, uh, lessons you learn as a startup. The CEO is well-liked, almost a cult following. I really want Rivian to succeed. We yeah. want all these companies to succeed, but they're going to stumble along the way. And any final thoughts on that? No, and that's exactly it. And, and something we learned back when Tesla was younger is that it's hard to build cars. It's, it's really hard. And until Tesla, every company that tried that started from green grass failed. Uh, except for the, the traditional car companies. So I think Rivian's going to make it. Um, but yeah, this is a rough patch. Well, Tom, any other breaking news you want to share? Just some good news. We're, we're all aware of the chip shortage. And um, the interesting fact that we've learned during the chip shortage is that microchips are largely assembled overseas. Uh, that hasn't become an issue right now because borders aren't, aren't up and people aren't preventing uh, the travel, the travel. I'm sorry, the, the delivery and distribution of chips. But had had some sort of political issue come up, the U.S. would have been in a terrible, a terrible place uh, in terms of coming up with a supply for chips. Well, the good news is that battery manufacturers are coming to the U.S. in a very large way. The largest Chinese manufacturer, CATL, often pronounced cattle, is coming to the U.S. and going to open an 80 gigawatt battery factory. Uh, which is reported to be a $5 billion uh, investment. Uh, that's coming to the U.S. fairly soon. And Chrysler just decided to, or just arranged to have batteries built for Stellantis. I should have said Stellantis, not Chrysler, up in Essex in Canada. So that's good news too. And that's about half the size of that cattle factory. That's a lot of battery production. Well, that's good. It means that uh, there's going to be a much bigger push to get these EVs to market. Yep. Well, in closing, is when it comes to automobiles, uh, what should we be aware of in the coming months? Uh, the big news is all these EVs we should be seeing in dealerships relatively soon. Watch for the Subaru Solterra, the Nissan Aria, 
These are brand new electric vehicles that are coming soon. They should be more moderately priced than EVs we've seen before, and they should be good, but we'll see. Well, that's very exciting. Tom, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you for joining us on GreenSense, and we'll look forward in a couple of weeks to talk to you again. Looking forward to it. That's Tom Appel, host of the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast and publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is GreenSense. A big thanks goes to Mike Sanders and Julia Shu for producing the show, Dana Daywood, social media manager, executive assistant, Angela Surdy. Visit greensensefarms.com to learn more about the show and listen to the GreenSense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on 105.9 WBBM Chicago. To download a podcast, visit Podbean. This show is produced by GreenSense Farms Holdings, Inc., all rights reserved.